Good morning. Welcome to all of you, whether here in person or joining us online. We're glad you're here this morning and happy Independence Day weekend. Hope there are some hot dogs, hamburgers, and ice cream in your immediate future. My name is Brian Emmett. I'm filling in for our sabbaticaling Pastor Alex this Sunday and again next Sunday as well. I'm a retired pastor, currently work as a personal development or a life coach. My wife Kathy and I moved here uh, about three and a half years ago and have been part of Chatham Community Church since our arrival here. This morning, I want to pose what I think is the most important question and then answer it. Aren't you glad you showed up this morning? the most important question and its answer. Now, what we think of as the most important question can change over the course of our lives. And depending on our age and stage of life, the most important question might sound like, will I get picked last again? Would you like to go to the prom with me? Where should I go for college? Will you marry me? Did the test strip turn blue? Doc, how long have I got? And I think all of these important questions and others like them are forms of what I'm calling the most important question. And the most important question has just four words. And to find out what they are, We'll start this morning in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. So if you want to turn in your Bibles or on your devices, it'll also be projected on the screen. But while you're doing that, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, you who lead and guide Christ's people into all of Christ's truth, lead and guide us this morning. Give us ears that hear, minds that understand, and lives that joyfully obey. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John 1, verses 35, 38. Next day, John the baptizer, as we call him, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Did you catch it? The most important question, what do you want? Now, you may be reacting right now a little bit, right? You're, you know that a lot of the things we want, we, well, first, you know, we want all kinds of things, and many of which we know are bad for us, or won't really help us, or won't last that long, and so on. And if we're followers of Jesus, aren't we supposed to want what God wants? Aren't God's will and my will often opposed to each other? Didn't Jesus our Lord pray the night before he was crucified, Father, not my will, but thine be done? Yes, 
We are indeed supposed to desire what God desires, to want for ourselves and for the world what God wants. And yes, we are indeed called by Jesus our Lord to deny ourselves, take up our crosses daily and follow him. But hold on to all of those good and true thoughts for a few moments. Put yourself into this Bible story. You have attached yourself to the fiery prophet John the Baptist who has now pointed you to the one that he refers to as the Lamb of God. And so you peel off from John and you start following after this one Jesus and suddenly Jesus turns, sees you, and asks, what do you want? If it's Jesus asking us this question, Asking you this question, how would you answer? If Jesus is looking at you, asking you, what do you want? Then what do you want? Could it be that Jesus is saying that maybe our main challenge is that we don't want strongly enough? That Jesus knows that we were created to want something more, something deeper and wider than cool stuff or good careers, comfortable conveniences, or even good health. Maybe our problem is not that we want too much, but that we don't want strongly enough. We keep pursuing many small things instead of pursuing the one great thing. Perhaps God has planted something inside each of us that everything in the world could never satisfy. So I'm asking us to consider that what do you want may in fact be the most important question. And now I want to suggest that the answer to this question also has just four words. Ready? What do you want? I want to live. We want to live. We want life. With life, all kinds of things are possible. Without life, nothing is. Throughout John's gospel, there's a lot of talk about life. Let's listen to a small sampling. As John opens his gospel, as he's introducing the one that he calls the Word of God, Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life. Later on, a verse that probably many of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life. That's God's life. Eternal life is the life that God lives. Later, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Later, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to its fullest measure. I am the good shepherd. 
And just one more. Jesus said to a grieving woman, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? What do we want? We want to live. We want life that is full, abundant, lavish, filled with joy and strength, with light and love, full of justice and rightness and peace, full of creativity and hope, life springing up like a fountain, life as stable as a mountain, life that is always overflowing and never ending. We want to live and we want to live forever, but we keep bumping into death. The God we meet in Scripture and in Jesus Christ is the living God, the God of life, the God who gives life, the God who came up with the idea of life in the first place. Plant life, animal life, your life, my life, all has its source, its origins, and its sustenance in God. And yet we keep running into death. What's going on? We keep bumping into death because we keep running into sin. We're such creatures of contradiction. We fancy ourselves wise only to be confronted over and over with our own folly. The fault lines between good and evil grind away through every one of our hearts. We long for life, but end up pursuing what leads to death in the end. Sin and death are partners. They work together. Sin promises us life, life apart from God, but always, always, always hands us over to death. Until we meet Jesus, sin is what we know and are controlled by. And our fear of death drives us into all kinds of sinful ways. This will keep death at bay. No, this will. No, that will. We may be smart and sophisticated sinners, highly educated and successful sinners, happy and content sinners, healthy sinners, wealthy sinners, even religious sinners, but we are all enslaved to sin by sin and therefore in the grip of death as well. Sin isn't primarily about breaking some obscure, hard-to-understand religious rules. Sin describes all the many ways we break relationship with the God of life in order to pursue life on our own terms. Instead of receiving a gift, we keep striving to prove ourselves worthy of a reward. Sin is the process of seeking what we most want from everything that cannot give it to us. Jesus tells us the truth. He does not offer you your best life now. He is not offering tips and tricks to always be healthy and wealthy. Jesus never promises life that is free of tears or pain or struggles of all kinds. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the way of life, the way into full and flourishing life. And that way that is Jesus is the way of the cross. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, must deny themselves, take up their crosses daily, and follow me. What Jesus offers is life that is not finally determined or controlled by the many sources of tears and pain and sorrow and loss and struggle that we will all face, that we do face. The Jesus way is not the way around, not the way of avoidance, not the path of least resistance. The Jesus way is the way into and through the worst that sin and death can do and then out the other side. Jesus promises a life that is able to overcome, to endure joyfully and persevere faithfully despite the worst that sin and death can throw at us. A life that is not gripped and eventually strangled by the hands of sin and death, but a life that is offered here and now as well as eternally by the hands that bear the scars, the scars of victory over sin and death. Jesus said, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. To live in the life that Jesus promises requires us to change, to die to our old ways and old understandings of how life works, of being in charge and in control. We all need to learn how and when and why to say no in order to say yes to the life that Jesus offers. To hate our lives in this world does not mean that we become sad, angry, lonely, self-righteous scolds. It means instead that we repent, that we turn away from all the ways that we seek life from things that cannot deliver life, and that we turn towards the one who gives us his life abundantly, freely, lavishly, the life of the eternal God taking up residence in our lives. How do we learn this way? The way of Jesus. The way that is Jesus. Remember what Jesus said. He asked those two disciples who started following him, what do you want? They mumbled some some reply, and Jesus said simply, come and see. In order to see, we have to come. In order to see the life of Jesus working in and through our lives, we have to come to Jesus. Experience of Christ follows allegiance to Christ. Life in Christ comes after dying after surrendering to God all the ways that we try to save, keep, protect, hold on to our lives on our terms. 
Now let's imagine turning our question of the morning around. Imagine it's us asking God, what do you want, Lord? What does God want for you, for me, for us, for our neighbors, for the world? Our thoughts quickly fall silent. All our language soon runs dry. Oh, there is no end to the height of what God wants. The depth of it, the width and breadth and wonder and joy of what God wants to lavishly give all who will receive from him. The life we want and desire is ours in Christ Jesus. Abundant life freely available to all who will come and see, come and taste, come and follow Jesus in the Jesus way of the cross. As God said through an ancient prophet, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor, your life on what does not satisfy. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And so maybe our answer to the most important question needs to grow or develop a little bit. If the most important question is, what do you want? And our answer is, we want to live. Maybe a better form of that answer should become, we want to know you. I want to know you. Because it is in Christ alone that life lives. And so we move to the pinnacle of our worship this morning by coming to the table, the Lord's table. This table is the place of meeting where God meets with us and we meet with God. It's the place where Christ's question of us, what do you want? And our question of Christ, Lord, what do you want? Meet and come together. What we most want is life. And at this table, we receive the life of Christ. Jesus, the bread of life. What God most wants for us is that we would live, that we would share in the eternal life of God, and that is what we receive together at the Lord's table. The table reorients, recenters our lives. We are reminded of Jesus' words and promises as we come to this table, words and promises about a new covenant about new birth, about new life, about a new commandment, 
love one another as I have loved you. We are invited to confess our sins, to confess the ways in which we have sought to find our lives or save our lives or keep our lives apart from Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we receive and are nourished here at this table by Jesus who is the bread of life. These simple acts of remembering, recentering, repenting, and receiving are not all we do to enter into the abundant life that Jesus promised and then guaranteed through his death and resurrection and ascension. But they are a very good gateway onto that path. During communion this morning and then following at the close of our service, members of our prayer team will be available to pray with and for you in confidence. And they'll be right there where my wife Kathy is standing. So at any point during uh, communion, if you would like prayer, feel free to go and they will pray with you. You won't need to miss communion because there is a communion station inside the prayer area. If you want to wait until the close of the service, prayer team members will be there uh, waiting to pray confidentially with and for you. This is the Lord's table. Everyone who by faith belongs to Jesus Christ is welcome to join us at his table. If you're unsure about participating, you might just want to remain seated or feel free to come to the prayer room. What I'd like to do now is give us uh, a moment or two for confession. Might want to think of it as washing up before the meal. So take a few moments, just you and the Lord, and uh, process with Him, confess to Him, whatever you need to. Maybe it's the ways that you're seeking to live and keep and save your life on your terms. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is, take a few moments now and speak with the Lord about what the Holy Spirit is showing you you need to talk with God about. So let's take a few moments to do that silently together. Having confessed our sins, let's listen together to these words of gospel pardon and hope from Paul's letter to the Christians in Roman, Roman, I'm sorry, Christians in Rome. Paul wrote, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God 
demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Thanks be to God. Our Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave thanks for it. Let's lift up our hearts together in thanksgiving to God. Father, together we thank you for Jesus who is the bread of life. Lord, we thank you that in him we are welcome at his table. And so, Father, we thank you together for Jesus, the bread of life. And later in that same Passover evening supper, the Lord Jesus took one of the cups of Passover wine and again he gave thanks for it. And let's follow Jesus by again giving thanks together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for a new covenant in your blood. Poured out for the forgiveness of our sins and not ours alone. For the sins of the whole world. Together we give you thanks, Lord Jesus. Amen. You'll see that there are four communion stations, two in the front and two in the back, and if our servers would come to your stations now. Uh, when it's time, please go to whichever the stations uh, is closest to you or that you would like. Please allow the servers to serve you the elements, and then please take the elements back to your seat and hold them. Once everyone has been served, we'll then take, uh, we'll take and receive the elements together. So please come now to the table of the Lord.
These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Holy things for holy people. Let's take and eat this bread, his body together. And this cup, covenant in the blood of Christ for us and the world. Let's take and drink together. Now let's stand together for our closing song.
famously said we our souls are restless until they rest in you Jesus said given it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together running over put those two together give yourself to God he will give you more of himself till your cup is running over amen available for you at the close of the service. If you're new here, uh, I'd love to meet you and just say hi and be another connecting point. I'll be outside uh, under the welcome wall right after the service. If you'd like to stop by and say hi, please feel free to do that. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us 
what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus our Lord, now and forever. Amen.